to episode 607 of the Fantastic Forecast. I'm Dave Elliott. And tell me who your favorite Teletubby is, and I'll tell you which classic 19th century Russian romance novel character you are. In every episode of the Fantastic Forecast, I'll be talking about a different issue of the Fantastic Four, starting with issue 1 and going all the way to issue 645. Today it's Fantastic Four, volume 4, number 6, from June 2013. The Big Bang, by Matt Fraction and Mark Bagley. So we start with some very shady looking alien character, big and armored, glowing eyes, and he's standing before some kind of court, a judge, about to pass down a sentence to his crimes, and the sentence is sending him to the very beginning of time where he can be the very first person in the universe to die. Okay, right there, that sounds like a terrible idea. You don't send a horrible murderer back in time, ever. That's a bad plan. Back on the FF's uh, spaceship, or time travel ship, whatever you want to call it, Reed is teaching the kids about the Big Bang. Really? They don't know about the Big Bang? Valeria once built a ship using Doctor Who space warping technology. I think she knows about the friggin' Big Bang already. Of course, since that bad guy is being sent back in time to the beginning of the Big Bang, what a huge coincidence. But then again, the first scene could be happening at any point in time. It doesn't have to be at the same time. So maybe it's not a coincidence. Next, we see that Ben is chugging down several bottles of aspirin. He's not feeling too well, and his eyes start glowing for a moment. Still, uh, some of the after effects from last issue, that fight. The kids start banging on the door, wondering why it's locked, and saying that Reed is taking them to watch the Big Bang. You know, where that alien who committed murders across thousands of worlds is waiting. Ben, still with a headache, staggers into the cockpit as they're making the trip back in time. And when they arrive, Sue uses a force field to turn Reed's head around, which, that's kind of a bitch move. Can't she just say, hey, look? And they see a strange alien uh, thing floating out there. Hey, guys, why don't you take the kids over and see what's inside? I dare you. The ship is heavily shielded, but or whatever it is, and they're convinced there's life inside. Sue says it's inhumane for someone to be left deserted out here at the beginning of time. And before you know it, Ben has on a spacesuit and he's ready to have a look inside. So Ben puts a cord on to attach himself to the ship, and he floats over to that object in space. It's not a ship, it's just the alien is in some kind of containment suit, which Ben rips off, and he grabs the alien and he pulls him back over to the ship. You know, the ship with the two small kids. So Ben lays the alien down on the floor. Immediately, the alien's eyes start to glow. There's a bright flash of light. The alien stands up, revealing himself to be... Blastar? What? First of all, the negative zone has a court system? Wow, President Annihilus really has instituted some radical new reforms. Second of all, why did they send him over to our universe? Should he be back at the beginning of time in the negative zone? Or does the beginning of time apply to all universes? 
Did the negative zone also start with the Big Bang? Huh. So this blast star thinks that the FF died centuries ago, which makes me think that this blast star is from the future. Turns out later that he's not. But the whole first scene did take place in the future. Needless to say, he's not grateful to be rescued by the Fantastic Four because he immediately attacks them. If he kills the FF, is he smart enough to pilot the ship back to the future? With all the blasting going on, you know, that's what Blastar does. He blasts things. Go figure. The thing is red hot and glowing, but still, he fights through the pain, and it's clobbering time as he lays into Blastar. But Blastar fights back, punching Ben through the wall, through the hull of the ship, and out into space. Of course, that's not really space because it's just... It's nothing. Because, you know, the Big Bang hasn't happened yet. It's the beginning of the universe and all. So now it's Sue's turn. She should have attacked first, by the way. Why doesn't she just create a force field in Blastar's chest and crush his heart? She's got her kids there. Why screw around? This is kind of a dangerous situation. He's shooting rays at her. She's blocking them. He's trashing the whole ship around her. Why doesn't she just kill him already? You know, I'm not pro-death penalty or anything, but in this situation, you gotta kill this lunatic. Kill him quickly. But Sue's just playing around with him, letting him shoot up the ship. Reed tries to wrap him up, but he just shocks the shit out of Reed, who screams out in pain. Reed's arm, by the way, it seems fine in this issue. As Johnny fights Blastar, like flames are gonna do any good, Sue puts up a force field around them. By the way, whatever happened to Johnny and his cosmic control rod? That would kind of come in handy right now. Blastar manages to grab Johnny by the head and puts a hurtin' on him. It seems that Blastar is overheating because he's got these hot, glowing rods on him. Why doesn't Franklin do something? He's got all those powers. Why doesn't he create a portal and push Blastar into another universe? I feel like Franklin and Sue could easily do something. Instead, what does Franklin do? He sends a couple of small Herbie-type robots their way, and they start shooting lasers at Blastar. As if that's gonna do anything, other than to destroy the ship even further. They do keep him distracted while everyone runs into the cockpit. Great idea! Lead Blastar to the cockpit! We see that Ben is still outside, clinging onto the edge of some ripped-up section of the ship. So during all this, they decide to have a brainstorming session. Like, really? Blastar is tearing the shit out of the ship. Why doesn't Sue just crush his heart and kill him instantly? Jeez. So Franklin finally remembers he has all this power, and he does something where Blastar is no longer protected by the asynchronous chronostellar signature of the Fantastic Four ship. Of course. And with a big bang happening all around him, he dies. The end. Well, that was rather lame. I don't understand what the hell happened. I don't understand what the FF are even doing. I thought Reed was looking for a cure for his disease, but they keep traveling back in time and doing stupid shit that puts all their kids in danger. What a crazy group. So meanwhile, in FF Volume 2, Number 6, by Matt Fraction and Joe Quinones, Dragon Man is going around looking for Bentley, and for some reason, something we haven't seen in a long time, Joe Quinones, of all people, gives us one of those big cutaway maps of the Baxter building, 
which of course has a number of rooms that we've never seen before and never and will never see again. Plus, a shitload of bedrooms. Like, a ton of bedrooms. Hard to believe the Baxter building was so cramped that Ben and Johnny once had to share a bed. Okay, maybe that wasn't due to space considerations. At breakfast, everyone sees the newspaper headline with a bunch of photos of Darla, the pink-haired girl, trying on all those helmets that she did last issue. Why is that news? Strange. And she seems angry and embarrassed. You know, it could be worse. She could have had Jennifer Lawrence-style photos on her phone. And in a scene that is, well, I'll just describe it. Tong, one of the Moloids, shows up uh, to his Moloid brothers wearing a dress, saying that, I have a girl inside me. Yes, it's a transgendered Moloid. Huh, that's surprising. You know, and surprisingly, the other Moloids are super accepting of their new sister and give her a big hug. At least I can finally tell some of the Moloids apart. And then later, Darla is getting hassled by the Yancey Street Gang again. Why? Everyone is wondering where Medusa and Bentley have gone. We learn that the Yancey Street Gang is upset for Dar at Darla for replacing the Thing on the team. And the issue ends with the entire building being teleported to the negative zone. Whoops. I know I'm not really spending much time on these FF issues, but FF Volume 2 is bonkers. It's actually a lot more fun than the main book. So if you have any questions about the Fantastic Four, about this podcast, or if you need relationship advice, you can email me at podcastff at gmail.com. You can download other episodes of iTunes and find them all at www.podcastff.podbean.com. So long, kids. This podcast is over. In the beginning, I never thought it would be you when we were chilling, smiling in the fall.